everybody to another episode of Unk View. This is Unk coming at you as always from my lovely home base of Plymouth, Michigan, located nicely between the war zone known as Detroit and the the cultural vagaries and eccentricities of Ann Arbor, Michigan, and its home of the University of Michigan. And I'm always, as always, joined by my nephew, my friend, my non-blood relative, uh, Brendan Michael Lemon, coming to us from Chicago. How are you today, Brendan? Hey, good morning, man. I'm. I'm this is a good morning. I'm. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to get into it and start talking today because we've got a really awesome topic, and I'm really stoked to get into it. And what we're here to talk about is we, we've kicked around a variety of potential titles for this podcast, and the one that we're leaning toward at the moment is called Hanging with Shack Squatch, uh, which is, of course, a play on the, uh, the beef jerky commercials of Messing <laughs> with Sasquatch. But the, the basic uh, framework of the story is I was, uh, a couple of years ago, Michigan State, I'm a, I'm a Michigan State graduate, as I've mentioned on other podcasts. My beloved Michigan State Spartans basketball team was in the midst of uh, yet another run toward the Final Four. If for those of you who aren't into college basketball, you know that's the that's the ultimate event annually in that sport. And I was I was uh, tweeting and face to Facebook posting like a maniac about the Spartans because they were just having these miraculous things happen. They were winning games they weren't supposed to win in usual Michigan State slash Tom Izzo fashion. And so I'm doing all this posting, and I get a text message one day. Ironically, the text message came to me on April Fool's Day, which, which of course, made it seem more suspect. And I say that because the text said, hey, we've identified you as a you know, like the number one Michigan State basketball fan in America. And we'd like to invite you and three of your friends to come to the Final Four and have this once-in-a-lifetime, you know, amazing, what they were calling a bracket fanatic. That was the hashtag they used for this whole thing. Experience. And I didn't think it was real. And I didn't think it was real, again, because it was uh, April Fool's Day. It was and on I, April Fool's Day. <laughs> yeah, it was on April Fool's Day that this happened. And... Uh, I just, I just, it just I didn't that you feel get this text and you're like, who is this? Seriously? <laughs> what? Who's playing a prank on me? <laughs> well, luckily for me, I didn't do that, but I didn't react to it quickly. And I, I later found out that these same people had, uh, they had tweeted to me and I didn't even see the tweet, you know, in a timely fashion. They had also tried to call me and I never answer my phone as anyone who knows me knows. So basically this was the last, this was their last attempt to get a hold of me. I still remember I was at the gym working out. I got the text. I read it. I thought about it. And I thought, well, you know, there's a chance it's legit. So I won't, I won't uh, react inappropriately like Brennan sort of suggested. And I just responded with something <laughs> like, Hey, I'm at the gym. Can I, you know, can I respond in, in an hour or so? And I'm sure they were thinking this is strange, but okay. So I then, um, I then called uh, some people, including Brendan. I called Brendan and I said, hey, you know, I got this text and, you know, do you think this is legit? 
And I don't recall what you said. Do you, do you recall what you said? I think I was like, well, you better call him back. Yeah. So I then called a couple of other people. One, my best friend from college, Tracy Lorenz, and he and I talked it through at length. And in combination with whatever it was you said, Brendan, and what, what Tracy told me, it was like, you know, I might as well just treat it as if it's legit. And you know, because if it isn't, what's the big deal? I just waste a little bit of time and I've already wasted a bunch of time just trying to figure out if it's real. So yeah. So anyway, I ended up talking to this dude and of course, it became very clear to me once I was on the phone with him that it was indeed legitimate. And so that sort of kicked off the event. And uh, fast forward, I selected uh, as my guest, I selected um, you know, few, Brendan, on the call with me here. And because uh, I thought it would be a tremendous experience for him to, to live, to, just to go do this. I mean, it would be a tremendous experience for anyone, but I thought he would ap- appreciate it, which I think in the end, you very much did. Secondly, I chose. Oh man, um, so my, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was really a once in a lifetime thing as we're going to try to explain here. I then chose my friend, Tracy Lorenz, who I just mentioned, my best friend from college. Then I also uh, chose a, a, a friend named Sean Carpenter, who I met on Twitter maybe five or six years ago. And we met, ironically, talking about basketball on Twitter. And I since got to know Sean real well. He's become a, a, a legitimate friend in my life. He's a, just a great guy kind of a social media monster. <clears throat> and that was one of the reasons why I chose him as well, because part of the deal here was, well, one, I was chosen because of they truly thought I was the number one uh, Michigan State basketball fan based upon you know the volume and intensity of my postings about, about Michigan State. But, but secondly, it was because of my social media sort of experience and the number of followers and friends and stuff like that. And so they, they specifically said when I spoke with them that that was, that was the deal, that you know we're choosing you for this reason, but the, but the rest of the story is we'd like you to go and just do what you do in terms of posting and making video and you know writing long posts about things and, and that sort of thing. So that's another reason why I chose Sean. So anyway, we get our plans together. And by the way, this, happens, this happened on a Wednesday, I believe it was. I'm not looking at a calendar. I could be wrong. But it was on a Wednesday, and we had to be at the Final Four on Friday. So we're talking two days away, which is another reason why I kind of thought it might have been fake in the first place was because of the short notice. But in retrospect, that yeah, made sense. Yeah, the timeline be- was just so quick, yeah. Before we get ahead of, uh, too far, by the way, because I do want to talk about traveling down there but and get back into the story, but just can, we, can you talk about just your level of Michigan State fandom to give everybody an idea? Just talk for a second about your Michigan State fandom because it – it really is like it's 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 amazing to me because they really did select the right guy in terms of like Michigan <laughs> State's greatest fan. <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, and I and I am I you know I, I, as I mentioned I I graduated from Michigan State and I just always loved the school. I've loved the sports programs and for those of you who aren't sports fans, Michigan State is in the midst of I mean literally as we speak this very moment, their greatest stretch of success in their in their their history in the school was founded in the late 1800s but they they've just had a great basketball program for many years under the leadership of Tom Izzo who has been called the greatest coach in NCAA tournament history by none other than Nate Silver and for those of you who don't know who Nate Silver is or I should say Nate Silver's blog Nate Silver is the guy who correctly predicted Every single state's results from, if it wasn't the last election that Obama won, it was the last two elections. I think it was the last one. He, he correctly yeah, predicted. Yeah, the last one. 
I mean, the dude is the dude is a uh, his whole his whole uh, thing is he's a well he has several angles, but one of them is he is sort of a statistical freak, and he, he just makes these predictions that are yeah are crazy. He did a real analysis based on actual analytical results and called Tom Izzo the greatest coach in NCAA tournament history because he always overachieves. He takes uh, what is generally perceived as A minus or B plus talent as opposed to other programs in college of basketball like Duke, for example, the team that ended up winning the tournament the, the during this Final Four that we went to, that every year they have A plus 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 talent. So the gap sounds small, but it's actually pretty significant and Izzo always overachieves. But back to the point. So Michigan State football has had great success in recent years. All of that adds up to a mixture of fandom that is pretty intense. At some point, we got to return because I need to talk about sort of what this was for me in my life at that at this point. Because, you know, I it's honestly it was like miraculous and for real in terms of coming coming at a time that I needed something like this, which sounds sounds crazy. I don't want to make this about me, but it just was very. I want to describe that at some point in this in this episode. Well, so, so we all meet there in Marshall at this place that really does feel like it's the kind of the other end of the world. Cause it's just in the middle of nowhere. And we start driving. I drive really fast. We got to Indianapolis and, uh, I called the, per- the contact person. Uh, I bu- that was, his name is Brian Nelson and just one of the nicest dudes you've ever met in your life. And his cohort, uh, Hannah Myers, the, the two of them were our handlers, uh, and we'll talk more about them as the story progresses. But so I called Brian to basically say, hey, we're, you know, we're here. We're trying to figure out where to park, blah, blah, blah. So we got that sorted out, and we, we, we entered the hotel, and uh, we were greeted by a camera crew. And it was rather shocking because, you know, we weren't really expecting that. And, of course, we weren't dressed for that, but that's irrelevant. We're not chicks. But anyway... Uh, so <laughs> this camera crew, uh, well, just, we're met by uh, Brian. guys all getting out of this car. <laughs> yeah, we were we were pretty uh, we were pretty unpresentable. But we Brian and Hannah uh, and another uh, guy named Daniel Mogg, who is a really great guy as well, who's now since gone on to work for NBC Sports. He was covering the Olympics and his postings on social media are awesome. The life he's living right now is pretty amazing. But he was the main camera guy. And so all of us pile onto an elevator. And if you've never been on an elevator with a, with a video camera crew with you, it's really awkward because it's just not big enough to accommodate that. And there's a camera right in your face. And the whole thing felt surreal because it almost felt like we were expected to perform. You know, like, here we are, we're filming you do something. Nobody said that, of course. But that's how it felt anyway. Yeah, but there's just, we just write- this weird pressure. Yeah, there's just a strange kind of like tension of like what it's all being captured, you guys. Yeah. And so we go up to our rooms and they had two rooms for us, you know, two of us in, each, in a room, of course. And uh, they they follow us into the room, uh, into my room. And I, I thought that was weird, you know, as it was happening. But then once we entered the room and looked, it all made sense because they had... You know, when, I, when we say that AT&T killed themselves to make our experience extraordinary, that is not even remotely an exaggeration because, as you'll see, when you, uh, if you look at the show page for this podcast, there's a photo there of, that I took of what was on my bed. And I'm actually looking at that photo right now, and it's a Michigan State like polo-style shirt, a Michigan State like a Nike dry-fit workout shirt, 
a Beats pill. If you don't know what that is, it's a big Beats boom box. Um, a, a pair of Beats wireless studio headphones. Uh, a GoPro camera. Cash money. I mean, they actually gave us, they gave us like credit card, you know, like, like, uh, $100 Visa cards, a number of those. Uh, a hat, you know, some other miscellaneous stuff. And then, of course, they gave us tickets to everything, you know, of, of course, the basketball games. And there were all these other events that went on that required, you know, a purchase of a ticket that we got all those. And again, we're going to go through some of those highlights in a minute. But the point is, this is what we encountered when we walked into the room. It was all this stuff. And, and then a day later, we received a, a, a big package arrived with luggage. They gave us a luggage with Final Four AT&T, you know, like embroidered on the luggage. And it's nice luggage. You know, it's nice, like a carry-on type bag. So anyway, that's... Yeah, it was like Agio bags. Exactly. So, so here we are. We just roll in. You know, we just made this long drive and we're kind of tired. And we, we walk in, we get hit with these lights and cameras. We go up to our room. We get hit with all this swag that's way beyond, you know, we weren't expecting any of that. And it was just like so cool. And then Hannah and Brian were basically saying, hey, we're here to make sure your experience is extraordinary. Whatever you need, uh, let us know. And there's going to be, you know, there are some events that we have planned for you, actually a number of events that we have planned for you. Um, uh, We're going to tell you about some of them. We We want one or more of them to be complete surprises when they happen. So you know, we just would re- ask that you follow the schedule we set for you. I mean, you're going to have free time to do what you want, of course, but we've got some big stuff planned for you. So uh, then that led to them saying, hey, w- to kick things off, we want we want to take you guys to uh, St. Elmo's, which St. Elmo's is the most famous steakhouse in Indianapolis. It's been in existence for over 100 years. And we're going to take you there for dinner. And, you know, it's entirely on everything here is entirely on us. You can get whatever you want, you know money's there's no limits on anything order whatever you want and so uh you know we kind of they left us alone for a little bit and we were just like my god this is incredible this seems too good to be true who knows what they had planned for us and then we got cleaned up and they took us over to St. Elmo's and dropped us off and we go in there and the place is just you know crawling with celebrities and like there was one oh um, man yeah I mean, they were everywhere. The, there was, uh, and all these people who were, you know, like associated with the tournament were there. I forget the kid's name because he was a un- complete unknown at the time, but there was a, a player who hit this miraculous shot to win a game. I think it was in double overtime. He just happened to be there, and uh, Sean recognized him and had a conversation with him. Our waiter, our waiter had been working at that restaurant for 28 years, and he wasn't that old. I mean, he, Oh, he looked man, to me yeah. like he was 40 and uh, yeah. they they were uh, the the waiters were wearing tuxedos and uh it was just a, an amazing experience because we just of course ordered everything and had a, a lot to drink and eat and uh and it was just fantastic what, what do you have any other memories of that place so St. Elmo's is famous for their uh shrimp they have a, yep, shrimp, a shrimp cocktail, cocktail. Yeah, and they're famous for it in in, uh, in Indianapolis. Well, we get there and they're they're like, you guys got to have this shrimp cocktail. And the place has been open for forever. And uh, it's uh, back to the beginning. I think is something that they served, um, which is it's, you know, so it's just this classic, and you have to get it. And the waiter, of course, was like, "We're I'm getting it for you." That's exactly what's going on. And I wish I could remember that guy's name because he really was 
a super, super professional. And, you know, yep. the kind of service where, look, I know what you want. You don't even know what you want. I'm going to make, I'm, I'm, I got you. I'm taking you to where I know you want to go, even though you don't know want, you don't even know you want to go there. If that makes yeah. sense. And so, no, it does. This is that kind of guy where I just was like, Hey, look, I kind of feel like this. And he'd be like, I got you. And then take my menu. And he was right. Like he just, everything the guy did was, was fantastic. But this, the shrimp cocktail, man, I mean, doused in horseradish. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was almost super like a hot. spa experience. Oh my God. Yeah, it, was it was so super hot. hot. And you would bite into these shrimp. It was delicious, but like you'd bite into these shrimp and it would just clear your sinuses. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like it's so strong. Holy crap. I mean, just thinking about it now, like it was, it was just burned my whole face off. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was so hot that I I took like one tiny bite and that's all I could take because it was too much for me. But yeah, it was it was a great experience. And so we 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 ate that meal and we're thinking, you know, hey, they just treated us to this incredible meal. This might be the finest restaurant in Indianapolis and there's a big weekend ahead. But Hannah had said, uh, you know, call her when we were done. And I think it might have been you who actually called her, uh Brendan, but so you I think you called her and she's and she said Hey, if you guys aren't too tired uh, and you're interested, do you want to, you know, do you want to see a, a, an Imagine Dragons concert? And, you oh, know, yeah. our, respo- yep. our response was, uh, yeah. And so it turns out that they were playing at an outdoor venue that was within walking distance of that restaurant. Um, we, t- we actually took a cab because everything was paid for, but we took a cab over to it. They drop us off. And we walk in and there's passes waiting for us. We enter the venue and it's at the, you know, it's at the back of the venue and sort of you're looking down kind of a classic outdoor venue scenario where there's a big lawn that slopes down and then levels off. And then there's a, you know, a a full size stage with enormous video screens on either side. And there was this VIP structure that was near the back where we entered and, uh, we were sort of led to believe, I don't know how, but we were like, okay, here's where you'll be hanging here. And so we go into this VIP structure and enjoy a few drinks. And I think Hannah at one point joined us. I think Brian did too. I'm not sure of the timing, but so they ended oh, yeah. up there. Uh, and, and so we're enjoying, you know, we're, we're actually inside this VIP thing that's all fronted in glass so we can see the concert, which is still pretty far away from where we are, but still it was, it was still cool when you when you weren't expecting to be there in the first place, so we're having a good time. And Hannah, I, I can in retrospect, I could see her biding her time, like she was planning all of this out very intentionally. And she said, um, "Would you guys prefer a better view?" And we're like, uh, "Okay, like what?" And she said, "Well, there's this walkway down the left side. If you look, you can see it. I can take you guys down there. That's basically takes you." into the mosh pit. And yeah. so we're like, okay, yeah. So we did that. We went down and ended up right in front of the stage. And when I say right in front of the stage, uh, I took some video that you can see on that same show page that I referenced uh, a few minutes ago. And it's literally, I am, my chest, I believe, was touching the stage. Imagine Dragons is right there. They're right in front of us. Uh, it's It was quite amazing. And we were there for a couple of songs. And it was very cool because of you know, if you've ever been in a mosh pit, I've been fortunate enough to be in a number of them for a variety of reasons, but it's a, just a really cool experience. And so we're thinking for again. a variety of reasons. 
we're thinking again, like what a night, you know, we all this free stuff and we went to this great restaurant and now we're enjoying this excellent band. How could it be any more of an intimate experience? And once again, Hannah walks up and said, hey, you know, there's even a cooler way you can watch this concert. And we're like, okay, what? And she hands us these passes that uh, are for these catwalks. There was a catwalk on either side on either side of the stage that were part of the stage structure itself. And there was this back staircase that you took to climb these stairs to get to this, you know, it was like a classic iron grid catwalk where, you know, you can see right through the floor and there's this railing there. And basically we're hanging over the stage. And again, I made another short video of the, of the finale song, uh, which was the grand finale was uh, radioactive, which was probably today their number one hit. But I recorded that whole song from that vantage point. That's also on the show page. But I think a lot about customer service because I'm in a, I'm in a customer service business personally. And Brendan, you are yeah. too. But uh, oh, yeah. you know, I, think of, I think about the details of customer service. I think about what does one do to delight a customer or a client. And when I look back on you know, the totality of this experience that we had, you can't give AT&T and the people that they chose to represent them any higher marks, but just in this one evening, the way that they led us through this progression of things. And, and so that was the end of, uh, of, the, of that evening in terms of the stuff they had planned for us. But we walked back from the concert just, you know, just agog. We were reeling from this, this chain of events of, of cool stuff. It just kept getting better and better. Like all these reveals were just... You know, and and exactly like you were talking about, just like the misdirection a little bit that Hannah yeah. had sort of, it was like, she was like a magician, you know, like, yeah. oh, did you want to go to this concert that's happening? Oh, here's a VIP area access with free drinks and food and a, you know, a heated room that overlooks the crowd and the stage. And, oh, do you guys actually want like maybe a little better view than like, we'll take you right down literally in front of the stage in front of everybody where you can stand in like the space and there's more you know, there's more room. Oh, do you want an even cooler view? Because actually, if you just go here, you'll go backstage and above the action where you can see the band playing and then the entire crowd like losing their minds and chanting along with the the band. I mean, like it was surreal in the sense that it it just kind of, I was like, is this really happening? Like two days ago, I was freezing my ass off in a house in Manistee, Michigan that didn't have enough heat to go above 55 degrees. And now I'm Hey, I'm now I'm backstage at Imagine Dragons, you know, with this cool group of people just like it, it, it felt it, it did really feel like somebody just kind of pu- pulled you through into another world for a minute, which is really what it was. You know, like this, oh, this I, entire to- world. I totally agree. No, I totally agree. That's exactly yeah, it was what it like, was. Yeah, it was like so- I had walked through the wardrobe and I was in Narnia or something. <laughs> Well, you know, I never saw that, so I, I can't I can't agree or disagree, but that sounds right. But I actually skipped a step here, which is at, after the concert, we ended up back at uh, the VIP area, back at that structure. Yeah. And we yeah. were there for a long time, because I remember, it's funny, I was going back and looking through the hundreds of photos that I took on this experience and, and uh, all these videos. And at one point, I just started recording you and her, you can't even see anything. All you do is hear this audio and it's about five seconds long. And she's talking and she said the word y'all because she's from the South. She's from Florida oh, or yeah. I think yeah. Florida or Georgia. <laughs> and, and she said y'all and you said, you, you, you say y'all a lot. 
And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. And she was so sweetly sincere. <laughs> like the sweetest girl. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you laughed and said, hey, I was just joking. I didn't mean, I just, you know, because everybody was really, everybody had a lot to drink. But I, rec- I recall oh, yeah. that, at that in that, like, there was an, that was like probably an, an hour or more that we hung out there. But I recall running into, uh, as just one example, a guy named Phil Ford. Phil Ford was the NCAA most valuable player uh, in, in the in the final four, I don't recall when it was because it was in my youth. But he was a he was a all American point guard for the University of North Carolina, and he was just one of a sea of people like him who were just there, just you know, just there. They were just people there. That's the kind of crowds that we encountered everywhere we went. It was like so strewn with celebrities and pro athletes and legendary pro athletes and business icons and freaking Mitt Romney oh, yeah, and actors and comedians and <clears throat> just all of these people and Mitt Romney. Well, I'll talk about that in a minute, but so, Oh my so God, that I was, forgot about that. That's so true. Mitt Romney. Oh yeah. man. And I want to mention this real quick before we move on to is we also met, and I want to mention him cause he's a, he's a really cool guy, Chase Woodfin, uh, who's Hannah's boyfriend who also works in the same uh, he works in the sports marketing world as well. We met him at this concert and, and just the same thing is from top to bottom, everybody was just the nicest people. You know, these people, all of the people that we encountered along this journey, uh, who were directly tied to the experience, you know, they work in the hospitality industry. And I know I said this directly to Brian Nelson and to Hannah that, uh, whoever hired them did a brilliant, made a brilliant decision because, they were both just born to do this kind of work. Uh, the perfect personality types, the perfect people. I mean, they're just really genuinely kind and nice and generous people. Now, granted, I, I have to say that they have amazing jobs. I mean, I cannot imagine doing what they do for a living because basically what they do is they're professional party people. They host people like us in that experience. In fact, it was interesting because I know that... Uh, Hannah's next stop after she left the final four was to go to the masters. That was the next thing she was doing was to go to the masters. So like, what a cool job, but, but they were just great at it and they were great people. So we ended up drinking way too much that night. We stumbled back home and I recall somebody told us that night, like, Oh, tomorrow begins with a, uh, a trip to the, uh, what's called the NCAA hall of champions, which is the, the hall of fame for the national uh, collegiate athletic association which happens to be based, the NCAA itself happens to be based in Indianapolis. So we went there. It was a really cool place. They had the actual basketball floor from when Christian Leitner hit the the most famous shot probably ever taken in NCAA tournament history. They took that floor and put it in that building. And there's a little decal or a sticker on the floor that says, this is the spot from which Christian Leitner hit that shot. So you see all these people who are going and standing on that spot and trying to emulate that shot, if you know what I'm talking about. It's like the most iconic shot in probably college basketball history. But it was a really cool place. They had all these interesting things, exhibits, statues, videos, plaques, trophies, all this cool stuff. So after that, we just kind of went on our own for a little bit. That was the night of the two semifinal games, which kicked off with this thing of this Turner CBS pregame party. And that that's something that I thought I've thought about how to describe this, Brendan, and maybe I'll let you do it because oh, man. 
it was so difficult to describe what this was because it was just, it was the kind of thing I'd never experienced before. But go ahead. You, you give a shot. You try to describe what that was like. I, I, I can see what you're saying because it's hard to accurately describe it because there was, it was like a circus in the sense that there was just so much going on. Yep. And it was, so what it, I think the best way to describe it is try to like pull out a little bit and cause we don't want to make it pregnant, but dang, anyway, the, it just, <laughs> if we pull out the focus a little bit, it's kind of like the, it's like a pep rally. If you can imagine this, like, uh, it's like a college pep rally for all four teams that happen in succession. And it's in a giant sort of conference center that is like partially for like, there's two halves of it. One is for fans that are, you know, coming to see the pep rally. And there's a place for, there's like a basketball court and there's a place for team cheerleading and uh, all of this kind of things that you would see at a traditional pep rally. And then the second half of it was for VIPs and celebrities and industry people to come in and just chill out. And there's pool tables and air hockey and ping pong and tons of bars and all the drinks, uh, anything you want. And then on, on top of this, on like the second floor of this thing, still inside the building, um, cause it's all open air, but it's like almost like two, you have to imagine like two floors to this VIP area. There are all the broadcasting spaces set up. So it's like, there's, you know, all of these network people and lights and cameras and overlooking the act, all the action. And there's just this parade of celebrities that keep coming in and out. Like the, the rock was there. And yeah. I think, uh, Sean got a photo with, um, Dennis Miller and he got two actually, he met, know, he met Dennis Miller twice. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Charles Barkley and he's right over there. And then there's, I mean, it's just, it's just all of these people were just wandering around and you could feel like, that's what was so strange about this is like, you know, you could feel the energy shift around as you were, you know, be playing, you know, ping pong or be playing uh, air hockey with uh rainy or something. And then as we were playing air hockey, you suddenly would just feel all of this tension and you look around and, oh, there's Charles Barkley. He just walked by me. He just walked two feet behind me. And all that tension I felt was just all this weird social energy that I was just absorbing like osmosis as, <laughs> you know, a celebrity walks by. And I mean, and that was going on all the time. And so there was, you know, there was all the teams would come in and out and all the cameras would change. And then they would talk to The Rock and he would walk by. And by the way, that guy is a, a mountain. He's enormous. That is a huge guy. And then there would be you know, the next celebrity person who would come in and then there would be, and it was just this constant parade. And, and, uh, it was almost overwhelming in the sense that you, you almost, you like, you kind of could, you didn't know how to best use your time. If that made any sense, it's just, do I go meet celebrities or do I play air hockey or do I go get another drink or do I, you know, do I stand around and do some like sort of promo work with Dan Mogg? Cause he's got the camera or do I, go over and watch the pep rally thing or do I, I mean, it was, it was almost like option paralysis from just this amazing uh, array of, of um, like once in a lifetime things you could do all at once. Like <laughs> you just didn't, you know, no, I almost no, had to yeah. make peace with the fact that it's like, I almost had to make peace with the fact that I couldn't, you know, I was like, okay, I can't do everything that's possible in this environment. I, it, it's, it, you just had to choose one thing and make a peace with the fact that you couldn't do everything. I'm glad I asked you to describe that because your description of that was so 
unique and so different from how I would describe it. And I, I like yours better. But what I'll add to it is the, the part that for me was most difficult to, to try to convey is the physical dimensions of this environment. It was so enormous, and it was at what's called the Indiana Convention Center. And it was like, I don't know how many football fields of floor. I mean, it was so big that, you know, you it, it took time to get through it. I mean, it literally would be like uh, an are, adventure. There are, there, are, there are small cities that could have fit inside of that thing. Yeah. I mean, there's literally yeah. villages that could have fit inside that building. Well, yeah, and I mean... To, to, to give some sense of it, there were multiple basketball courts set up inside that place that weren't even close to each other. There was like, literally, there were floor hockey rinks. Why they had floor hockey rinks, I still don't have any idea, but they did. But there were exhibit after exhibit after exhibit of stuff. And it would be like, oh, here's a Michigan State fan area where it was just full of Michigan State paraphernalia that you could buy. Anyway... So that was that environment, and so we were hanging out there for several hours before the games, uh, the, those two semifinal games, and then we you walked from there over to Lucas Oil Arena. Uh, I mean, what an amazing facility that is! It's you know it's a, one of the newer uh, NFL specific arenas, which was of course specifically you know retrofitted to become a basketball venue, as they always do with these NCAA Final Fours, where they turn football facilities into basketball facilities to accommodate all the fans. So we go to the game, uh, the games, the energy in the room is just, is just incredible. I mean, again, I'd never been to a Final Four, but it really was electric. And the energy, the tension among factions, you know, like, here's a section full of Wisconsin people. Here's a section full of Michigan State people, etc. And It's all uh, color-coded. You know, <laughs> Well, yeah, and also, you know, as you've seen when you watch these games on TV, you see they have these big student sections behind each basket. So in game one, which was Duke versus Michigan State, one of the ends of the court is full of Michigan, the Michigan State band and, and Michigan State students. At the other end is Duke, Duke's band and Duke's students. And just the energy that emanated from those little sections, which weren't little, they were large. But it was really cool to see that, you know, to experience that as well. Unfortunately for me, uh, Michigan State got its ass kicked in that game uh, by Duke. Duke went on to win the, the tournament. They were the best team there. But so that was a, that was a yeah. bummer. The game, the game wasn't that close. Duke sort of took control early, and Michigan State never got close. So then game two uh, was Kentucky versus Wisconsin. Kentucky was the heavy favorite actually to win the entire tournament. They got beat uh, by Wisconsin, which was a massive upset. I don't recall what we did after that. That night, I think we just went back and had a few drinks. There was nothing extraordinary that we did that evening after the game because it was late at that point. But uh, Hannah made a point of saying, you know, we've got something special planned for you tomorrow. We'd like for you to be back over at the, um, at the, the fan zone, which is, took place within that massive convention center environment that we were just describing. We'd like you to be back over there at one o'clock tomorrow. You can do, you know, whatever you want in the morning, but we'd like you back over there. So yep. I remember we weren't really any, I think we went to breakfast. We weren't in any mad rush and we were walking over to the convention center and Hannah called me 
And I remember thinking, well, that's kind of weird. So I answer the phone and she's like, where are you? And I said, well, we're, we're walking over to the convention center. Like, you know, you, we're going to be there around <laughs> like, one. You know, you, like you asked us, <laughs> you need to be there. She's like, you need to be here now. And, and I mean, I'm, she was very kind. I mean, I don't mean to make it sound like she was bitchy about it. She wasn't, but she was urgent. Yeah. And but she's just like, the you tone need- had changed. Yeah, her tone was different. Like her tone had gone from like, Oh, it's all, everything's fine to like, okay, you guys need to get here now. Exactly. She then ran. And when I say she ran, I mean this literally the woman ran, she ran from, she was inside that convention center waiting for us. She ran out because I think she was anticipating we were going to be late and she was going to try to do whatever she needed to do to, to get us there as quickly as possible. So she runs up on us. And I recall Tracy and I were carrying backpacks because uh, I was just carrying stuff with me, like video cameras and whatnot. And I, this look uh, came over her face. I mean, she looked, she was truly panicked. And she's like, you can't bring those inside the convention center. They have very specific rules. You cannot bring in backpacks. And so we're like, oh, okay, well, well, We'll take him back to the room and we'll be right back. And she goes, nope, we don't have time for that. Come on. And she literally took our backpacks away from us. And she was already carrying her own, her own bag. And she's like, come on. So we literally ran and, you know, we could have carried the backpacks, the 200 yards that we had to go, you know, to get into the, to go to the door of this place. But she literally carried them for us. We get up there. There's a huge line of people. She just runs us past the line of people. We get up to the, you know, security and she's like, they're with me. Here's my pass. We have to get in there right now. And they let us in. And she then like, you know, marches us over to this basketball court. Like I mentioned before, there were a number of basketball courts set up. And so we're, we're ushered onto this court. And I made a video of some of this that you can see on that same show page, but it's the, the court was, it was, it was netted in, it was, it was surrounded by a net, you know, that you could look through very easily, but so it was segregated from the yeah, masses. Wasn't open. Yeah. So, so that we get ushered onto this court and it feels kind of weird, you know, like, cause we're not sure why we're there and she's not explained anything. And she's like, okay, well, um, this, you know, go ahead and, you know, shoot some hoops. Uh, and there we were in front of all these people who were, you know, like these strangers who were just there in the convention center. And, you know, they're, they're kind of watching us and I'm like hyper self-conscious because I'm like, I haven't shot a basketball in 10 years, but yeah, and she's insistent. <laughs> and there's people and there's cameras still. <laughs> and there's cameras. Yeah. Like Daniel's there, you know, and a bunch of other camera people were there. And so, uh, and, and so, you know, she very gently or actually very forcefully, but nicely and gently, she was saying, no, please, sh- you know, shoot baskets. And at one point she joined in and I, I got some video of her shooting. Cause I think she was just trying to like suck us into like, here guys, shoot some freaking baskets. So we're shooting and there was an MC there who you can see in the video that I made, but a, you know, a young and energetic dude. And so he's on, you know, he's on a microphone that's, that's broadcasting to some part of this, you know, of this convention center. And he's like, uh, he's just talking and sort of, you know, he's sort of leading toward what followed, what we were just confused by in the moment. Like, why is there an MC here? Why is there a guy with a microphone here? You know, I get it that there's cameras yeah. here because, you know, they're, they're sort of, they're filming our experience for the whole weekend. We get that, but like, there's just something weird here. So anyway, we're, we're shooting baskets. And at one point the MC sort of herds us together. And, um, I recorded this, you can see it in the video on the page, but he's, he just starts engaging. And in fact, he started with you, Brendan. And 
he's, he's asking you about playing horse and uh, he, he said you know, something about he learned from a, you know, from somebody that really taught him how to play horse well. And he, he asked you like, you know, where'd you learn to play horse? And you had a great answer, which was, you said the mean streets of Detroit, which was hilarious. And, um, <laughs> and I have that on the video. It's really funny. So then he, he then, he then pulls us in further and he says, so if you could play, if you could play a game of horse, and if you're a basketball fan, you know what horse is. It's just a basketball game. And, uh, he said, if you could play horse with anybody you wanted, who would you play horse with? And he asked you first, and you answered. And then he asked Tracy, and then he asked me. And then he, he goes further and said, oh, well, we've got something really special planned for you today. It's not going to be any of the people that you mentioned. And then he, take, and he makes a point of taking us physically and putting us side by side and turning us to face away from the entrance to the court. And, and you can see him... Like he's looking at us and then he's looking over us, you know, like behind us. And then he's looking at us. So, you know, somebody, something's happening, you know, somebody's coming and he's doing his best to, to keep us focused on him so that we don't turn around and look at who's walking up behind us. So, uh, you know, a few seconds later, I feel this, it felt like somebody put a ham on my shoulder, like literally somebody set a ham on my shoulder. And I'm like, what on earth? And I turn and look. And the, the single largest human hand I've ever seen in my life is on my shoulder. It's, it's, it's like two or three times the size of my hand. And my hands aren't tiny. And it, it's a black, Not a, black person's, a black person's hand. And I turn and look up and it's Shaquille O'Neal. And it, it was just shocking. It's like, you know, uh, you know, Shaq is one of the most iconic athletes in world history. I mean, he's just like one echelon below a Michael Jordan or a Tiger Woods, maybe even in their league in terms of recognizability, probably is. Or more uh, so. But, I mean, even. It's just, well, I, it's I, just nuts. I wouldn't say more so, but he, he may be in a league with them. But in any event, there he is. And he's larger than life in every sense of that descriptor. I mean, he's physically so big that, you know, I'd never seen a person. Like you said, The Rock was big. I mean... Shaq is another level above the rock physically. The guy's he's, enormous. I mean, he, he's, yeah, he's just huge. And he doesn't seem it real. It's so weird because he, yeah, that's exactly how. And it's just like he, but he's also, what's so weird about it too is he's just, he's not like tall. Every once in a while, you'll meet a tall person who's really, they're just, they just look long or something. It's hard to describe, I guess, what yep. I mean, but they're just, like, they're just tall, but they're not wide. Like Shaq is like proportional in his whole body. So it's yep. just weird. Cause it, he just looks like an enormous man. And exactly. the only thing I, I just, I want to describe this to everybody is that this was so surreal. Like it, it's like, it's almost like I called it Shaq brain when I've told this story because you, you, you see him and your brain just melts. And you can't think, at least I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I don't think I had a real thought for like the next 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Like it was just, it's just, it, you just totally turn into like putty or something. Like it was very weird. Cause you're like, oh my God, this is, I've, I saw you, like I saw you in Man of Steel, man. <laughs> like, or, or whatever that, or, or what is that? Steel or <laughs> whatever that movie he made was. Anyway, uh, you know, Shazam. I saw you in Kazam, dude. I, I yeah. saw you in Kazam. <laughs> Like you were such a huge part of my childhood. It just was such a, it, it just was such a crazy like thing. Like I, I played Shaq Fu at the arcade, man. <laughs> like, yeah. And then yeah. it's just, you know, 
he's just, I mean, he's just picking up, ba- he's palming basketballs and just, you know, tossing. And, and it was just so weird because it was like my brain stopped firing for a minute. Like you almost had to prepare for that level of being starstruck. I mean, this is a guy who I grew up with watching and yeah. just to, to suddenly have him like right there. You're like, Oh my God, I did not think this was going to, ha- I, I didn't, it literally never thought something like this would happen. I totally agree. And, and he, he you're right about your description description of him physically is that typically somebody that's seven foot two, which is, I believe what he is. They have that look, they have a look of a tall person. They look long and gangly and, somewhat disproportional their limbs are too long and Shaq is exactly as you described him he's like he's like the most well-built guy you've ever seen but he's twice as big as normal and yeah he's he's perfectly proportional and he looks he doesn't look freakish at all other than the fact that he's so big but anyway so we're playing and we were playing horse with him and uh you can see again in this little video that i made it was it was just us hanging with Shaq, and he could not have been nicer like his his whole presence was one of playfulness and fun and and he was gentle as crazy as that sounds he was just like this big kid and he was not only a big kid but he was a big, happy kid. And I can, you know, I think that's that's why... That's a great way to describe it. I think that's why he's been so successful in his... I mean, you know, he was an amazing NBA performer. I mean, he's a top 50 all-time, you know, player. And uh, he won, I think it was three titles or maybe four uh, with the Lakers. And, you know, he, he he had an incredibly successful professional career. But I almost think at this point he might be better known for his his life after uh, basketball because yeah. he you know he's he's been in a number of movies as Brennan already referenced he's been one of the uh, most frequent uh, you know uh, corporate spokespeople you know he's been in a ton of commercials he has his own show now he has a doctorate in communication with a focus on humor I didn't know that yeah but I think he, from UCLA uh, he's he's just a he's a good person I mean. His dad was a cop, big into law and order and the right things. I mean, he's just a, he's a solid citizen. And so I think he's, he's made his mark and continues to make his mark because he's also one of the, uh, one of the four people on the TBS, um, you know, basketball analysis team that uh, features Kenny the Jet Smith and Charles Barkley and, um, and Ernie Johnson, who are, you know, they've won Emmys for their work. But uh, he's just, he's larger than life. What struck me the most was how he wasn't bigger than the event, which if you can picture this from his perspective, here's this incredibly accomplished athlete and business guy who's hanging out with, you know, these three Caucasian dudes who clearly haven't played basketball in a while. And he could have been uh, we are not above Caucasian. it. We are, we are as white as you could white that day. We were, no, yeah, we were. We were not Caucasian. <laughs> We were, we were white, stereotypes. We were, we were translucent. We were stereotypes of what, of why, why white people typically don't make good basketball players. But he he was just gracious from start to finish. We had a great time. He, um, you know, I've got some really funny. Like I have this one picture I took of of him and you that's just phenomenal in my opinion because he's in the foreground, you're in the background. He's clearly looking at you. You're clearly looking at him. And the look you're giving him is just interesting. And in fact, I put it on the site. But um, 
But it was, it was just a, a fantastic experience. And when we walked off the court, I was in, I was, I felt like I was drunk because I can't, I couldn't believe that it just happened. And not only that, but we were, we were on that court with him for, I didn't time it, but I'm pretty sure it was somewhere between 25 and 35 to 40 minutes. This was not like a five minute thing. Oh, yeah. We were out there so oh, yeah. long that it, it almost, to be honest with you, I think it was too long. I do have one cute little clip yeah. where you, you, it was right at the start, you shot and scored, and then he shot an air ball right after you, which I yeah. think was on purpose on his part. Uh, but it, it was, it, it was funny because you got a letter on Shaq. Oh yeah, uh, man. He, he it, the, so the game broke down. Like that's the other thing to note about yeah. this is that there was so, I mean, you know, Tracy tried to shoot some free throws to, you know, mess with him. And, uh, I was trying to do some half court stuff just to, cause just for fun. He tried to, he wanted, uh, me to, he wanted to alley-oop me and I didn't get it. And I looked like an idiot. Cause I was trying to, I, I think I tried for a layup. Like it was so, it was so lame and we were, yeah. so, I was so white. Yeah. Well, to your point about how it broke down, you're right about that. And, and so part of, part of the reason that happened was I very quickly made the decision that I could not, my ego could not allow the level of humiliation that I would feel for here I am trying to shoot hoops with Shaq and I can't hit the side of a barn because that's what would have happened. And so, because I could, I gauged very quickly as I was warming up that I hadn't played in so long, there was no way I was going to be able to, you know, to shoot with any degree of accuracy. And plus I really wanted to film some of this action yeah. just because I, you know, part of what I was there to do was to promote what was going on. So I thought that I was sort of honoring the commitment that I'd made, but in any event, so at one point, uh, my angle was going to be, I'm going to find somebody to take my place. And I looked over, and again, this was just sort of the whole vibe of the event. I look over and on the court, but at the very back and off to the side, they weren't participating, but there was Steve Smith. And if you don't know who Steve Smith is, the one, at least the Steve Smith I'm referring to, he is an all-time great Michigan State basketball player. Uh, I don't know where he ranks in terms of all-time scoring at Michigan State, but I'm going to say he's probably top three to give you some perspective on how great of a player he was. He then went on to have a great NBA career, and he's now an announcer, uh, I think, for TBS and or one of the other major networks. So he's on TV all the time, and he's a great guy, and, uh, and you know, Michigan State guy. He's wearing Michigan State stuff, and he's surrounded by uh, a bunch of other people all wearing Michigan State stuff, most of whom were smaller or younger black males. Steve is probably, you know, in his early 40s. And so I, I see him, you know, I recognize him instantly. And I just walk up, I just walked right up to him and I said, hey, Steve, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm a Michigan State grad. I'm here as part of this thing. And anyway, I was wondering if you might be kind enough to take my place in this competition, because I think if you take my place, you know, we'll do well because of your great shooting ability. The entire time I was talking to him, he never changed expression. And his expression was totally blank and flat, like, I almost felt like I was annoying him. And he let me finish. He let me finish. And then he said, nope, nope, I'm not going to do that. And so it kind of left me, like, I'm kind of speechless, like, wow, just a flat-out rejection. And as I started to open my mouth to say something else, which was probably going to be, well, sorry, I'm, you know, thanks. Sorry I bothered you. Yeah, you know, sorry, sorry I gave you that opportunity. <laughs> and, 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 and then this like wry smile came over his face and he said, I won't do it, but 
You can ask one of my kids. They probably will. And so I then, you know, the, the kids were all listening to this exchange. And uh, I believe he must have been the youngest one based on size. But this kid just, this, this smile just came over his face. And he ran out, you know, onto the court. And, you know, he just joined in. And the kid basically took my place. And it was just, it was just really cool to, to see the, the joy on that kid's face. And I kept looking over at Steve. He was totally into it because this kid was out there. And, you know, the kids interacting with Shaq and the kids loving it because he, there's Shaq. And, and so it, that's part of the reason that this thing spun out of control. And it, at some point, we sort of lost track of the game of horse itself. The game has a structure and a sequence. And, it, you know, once you lose it, it kind of becomes chaos. And yeah, that's sort like of fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think I think what ended up happening, I, I really don't remember, but I think what ended up happening because it became such chaos is that the MC at some point just sort of called it, you know, like it's yeah. gone on long enough, people, because you know, I think he was judging our body language like. <laughs> we've been oh, totally. on, do you want us to keep going? Because I feel like we've been on here a long time and there's a lot of people watching who probably aren't being very well entertained other than the fact that Shaq's out here. But uh, so it ended and, you know, uh, somebody, I don't even recall who it was. It might have been Jay Couch. And I don't know if we mentioned Jay yet in this conversation, but no, Jay I haven't was, mentioned him yet. Jay, Jay Couch is the, um, he was the boss of the two people who were our handlers. Jay was their boss. And we met, uh, we spent some time with Jay during the course of the, of the weekend. And again, this is an extraordinarily nice guy, just like uh, yeah. Brian and Hannah. Someone, again, I think it was Jay, took a series of photos of us with Shaq that are like some of my favorite photos that I own. I mean, it's like I'm looking at one right now, and there's Shaq has one of his arms around me, one of his arms around you, and then there's Tracy on one end and the MC on the other. And there's a series of photos that were taken that were really great, perfectly framed and centered photos. And you can just see in these photos, you look at Shaq's face and it's like, he's just in the moment enjoying this. He doesn't have a look like, okay, I'm posing for another freaking photo with these nondescript white people who can't this be over yet. It wasn't like that at all. So we then cleared yeah. the court and, uh, and then following us onto the court was, uh, uh, another of the we were referred to as the super fans so i was the super fan i and my entourage were the super fans from michigan state um this young woman named rainy haddock h-a-d-d-o-c-k and i put a link here on our show page so you can see who she is she was chosen as duke's yeah. super fan and there was a another gentleman who was the super fan for kentucky and believe it or not there was no super fan for wisconsin and I, I found that very interesting, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I asked about it, and, and what I deduced from the response I got was they just couldn't find anybody that they felt qualified, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Like, what? Like, there's no one out yeah. there who's, you know, who's rabid about Wisconsin basketball? That's crazy, but apparently there wasn't. So yeah. anyway, so Rainey and her mom, Anna, uh, you know, followed us out and— and it was funny because I, I saw a bunch of photos that were taking, taken by other people later. Shaq picked, Rainey was a very, um, really a, a gorgeous young woman, a, incredibly athletic. She, she looked like a jock in a, in a, like a really hot, sexy way. In fact, she's in, she's in one of the pictures. Actually, she's in two of the pictures on her show page. 
one where you have your arm around her and her mom. And then there's another picture of her in our group photo that was taken at the first of the Turner CBS pregame parties. But we had a great time with them. They were really cool people. This was another dimension, another element to the whole experience of getting to know these other super fans and Rainy and her mom in particular because we just happened to spend more time with them. But, uh, you know, we sat next to them at the games and I have some photos of you. You were sitting next to her. And I've got these photos of like the whole, every photo I took of you, and I'm looking at some of them as I'm saying this, you have this look on your face. It's like, I've never seen you look happier. It's like, you're just delighted. You're just, you're just delighted to be there. And uh, one photo in particular of, uh, I took it of you and then Rainy's right next to you. And you just look like you're having the time of your life. And that really, that really was another element for me in the experience of seeing you having so much fun and also seeing Tracy, you know, who is a, is a Michigan state fan on a level with me. Um, you know, his love of Michigan state, cause that's where I met him. Uh, and also Sean, who's just a, a, a great sports fan in general. And, uh, you know, like we mentioned, Sean, Sean has this gift for meeting people. Like he's never been, he's, he, he just walks up to anybody and starts a conversation. And Sean is incredibly approachable and you're not at all threatened when he approaches you. So like he, he he's he almost just like walked, a savant in he's, he's like a savant in building rapport with people. Like it's unbelievable. That's exactly like what he, he is. Just, everybody he meets, he just immediately tr- treats them like he's known them his whole life and they treat him that way right back. It's, it's really amazing. I mean, just being around him, I learned, you know, how to just be better at, at interpersonally interacting with people. And it's partially why he, I mean, he got so many celebrity photos that, that, that weekend. I mean, he got so many celebrity selfies and I think it's because he just can, he can just navigate that space extremely well. No, you said that you could not have said that any better because that's exactly what he is. He's a savant at approaching. And so he, he, uh, he saw Dennis Miller somewhere and, uh, and, you know, got a selfie with him and had a conversation with him. And then uh, at the final game, he was just walking around, you know, in the, in the crowd and, and ran into Miller again. And I have that photo on the show page. But, you know, uh, Sean said that Miller remembered him. He's like, you again? Like, as, as Sean walked up, Dennis Miller said, you again? Uh, which I thought was hilarious. And uh, yeah, you're right. He's like, he, he had a, we got a photo of him with uh, Bill Raftery who was one of the announcers, you know, for some of the final four games. He's a really well-known basketball announcer. And Charles Barkley and Shane Battier, who's a famous Duke star and NBA star, and all these other people. Yeah, Sean just, he just walks up to him and starts talking, and next thing you know, he's got a photo, and it's, uh, it's, really, it's really cool to see how he does that because he's, he's so gifted at that. But to put, a, to put a cap on the whole Shaq thing, so we left the court. Rainey and, and her, uh, you know, Rainey came next with Kentucky Superfan, and they went out and had fun with Shaq. And I wa- we watched some of that, and Shaq was just as gracious and hospitable with them as he was with us. And it was just so cool to see somebody uh, in the public eye, somebody that, that's that famous, who is just a genuinely decent person. It really was, oh, un- yeah. it, it, t- it touched me on a human level some- somehow in the sense that it kind of made me a little more optimistic about life in general, as ridiculous as that may sound. Well, cause he just, because I, I, thought, I mean, I could totally get it. I, that, that sounds like it could be, I could hear, I could imagine someone hearing that and thinking like, okay, guy, that's, that's, that's kind of overblown, but it really down. wasn't. Everybody knows him. He's everybody's best friend anywhere he goes. I mean, 
And yep. he was so grounded and he was just so nice. Maybe he's on autopilot a little bit, but even then, even then his autopilot is still like, I'm the most gracious guy in the world. And this experience is about you being with me. And that was amazing. It wasn't like, I'm just here. This is about me. It was like, this is about you. This is about all the people watching us. I mean, to have a guy be that humble in that sort of in that, in that way in his life, I think really was kind of like instilled some, some faith in humanity to you where you can be like, well, maybe, maybe everybody could learn to be like this a little bit. And, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was. So, so that was the shack experience. And, uh, and then we, um, we went back, you know, to the, to the room, I think after that or rooms and just sort of marveled at what had just happened. We yeah, then did another had to come down. <laughs> yeah. you, you had to like come down after that. <laughs> for sure. For sure about that. So, so then I recall getting a text from Hannah saying, uh, well, it's not going to be as nice as the uh, first place we took you, uh, that first restaurant, uh, St. Elmo's, but we've got, you know, we've got a pretty decent restaurant. We're going to take you to tonight. And they took us, uh, to, or they told us where to go. And we went to this place and, to be honest with you, it was a, even a better experience, in my opinion. The that was a it was a higher class restaurant. Don't get me wrong, San Elmo's is extraordinary, but this place was even nicer, and we had a phenomenal meal. And as I referenced earlier, Mitt Romney and his wife were about four tables away, right around this corner from where we were. Yeah, and, just the evidence for how nice the place was. Former presidential yeah. candidate Mitt Romney was right around the corner, literally. And what, what I found interesting about that, this will sound strange, what I found most interesting about that was how little attention that, that his, the, the fact that he was where he was in the restaurant, almost no one was reacting to it. And it wasn't because they didn't recognize him because he's so, he's very recognizable. When you see him, you know, that's Mitt Romney. There's no question in your mind as to who it is. But that's just how Star started this whole, the whole city was uh, for this event that everywhere you looked, there was somebody. So it was no big deal. But so we, we had another great meal. We went uh, out and had some drinks at a place where I, I ended up sitting next to a guy who I'm pretty sure was a future terrorist, uh, which I'll skip that part of the story. But uh, we, we ended up back in, <laughs> oh my gosh. back in your room, your and Tracy's room, where we were going to, we did some filming of some, we we're going to do some, you know, promotional stuff of the event for AT&T. And we shot some video. And what was funny about that is I set up my little camera and we're talking about what we're going to say. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to give some ideas as to what I wanted them to say. And I turned the camera on and as God is my witness, I, strike me dead right now if I'm exaggerating this at all. I hit record on the camera and I point at Brendan and Tracy. Sean was, was not there, unfortunately. But... um as they started to talk, and I say as they started to talk, I want to say within the first five seconds. So this is the timing oh, I'm yeah. talking about. As they start to talk, a full-blown, like, like you know, world-class-sized fireworks display kicks off right outside the window that I was aiming at. And it was just... Somehow, it, just, it was just one more of the little things that happened during this experience that made it so extraordinary that I know that sounds dumb, but it was, you know, in the moment as it happened, the re we all had the same reaction. It was like, well, what else would you expect to happen right now? I mean, 
That's what's happening oh, the, yeah. whole, the, the whole time we've been here. We were, we were like, how did Hannah arrange this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was just cool. So that was that evening. The next day, we get up and uh, Brian says, okay, today we're going to take you to the Indy 500. And of course, everybody who knows anything about auto racing knows that the Indianapolis 500 is the, the world's most famous racetrack. Brian drives us over to the track. We get on this bus that's you know like a, a designed for this purpose. And we've got this guy on a microphone inside the bus as we're driving around the track. And he's just going on and on about the history. <laughs> Actually, I got to be yeah. honest, that guy was a little bit annoying because, and I don't mean to throw some negativity in here, but I'm just trying to keep it real. Uh, like, and, and I, I, need to, I need to qualify this. I grew up in Indianapolis, as I already mentioned. Um, I grew up yeah, so around... Yeah, this is all old hat to you. Yeah, for, for me specifically, personally, this is old hat. I've been to the Indy 500 a whole bunch of times. I went as a kid every year. It was just a part of the culture of that town. And so for me, this was, you know, like, honestly, I almost wanted to skip the event itself because it's like, I already know what this is all about, but I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be that kind of a guy. So I went along with it, but I mentioned that only because this guy was just laying it on so thick regarding the history of the track and all that, like, you know, dude, chill out. It's not like, it's not like the world's most important thing, which is sort of how he was acting. But that said, that said, it was still a cool experience. We got to go into the inner workings of the whole thing. I, I got some cool photos. So, you know, we, we got to do that and we got to, go down and kiss the bricks. It's a tradition there that people kiss the bricks. I don't know why that's the case, but it is. So oh, we did the that. the original brick. Yeah, from the, uh, it's the original brick. Yeah. The whole track used to be brick. And now, obviously, right. it's paved over exactly. so people don't die in, in accidents. Right. But <laughs> exactly. Original, it's the original brick. And I do want to make clear that, you know, I think it was a perfectly logical choice on the part of our hosts to choose that as, a, as an activity because it's the number one attraction in the whole state. I mean, it is. It's oh, like yeah. They, they, they would have been remiss if they didn't If take we us hadn't there. done it, yeah. It would have been, yeah. admittedly, it would have felt weird if we didn't go. Yeah. Like, this is, you came to Indianapolis and you didn't go to the Speedway? Yep. So, so, uh, so we did that, and then we came back, and I don't recall what we did after that. I think we went out and had, uh, had uh, lunch at P.F. Chang's, where you had your first P.F. Chang's, and I recall you loving it, just like I do. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I love that place. So we then, uh, the, the final event is the championship game itself and same deal. We go back over, they had the exact same setup for that Turner CBS pregame party. We gathered together for, you know, like what we thought was going to be the last time, all of the, you know, the hosts and super fans. And we had a bunch of drinks and played pool. And I got a bunch of pictures of you playing pool with Rainey and you just talking to Brian and you talking to Hannah and, and you talking to Daniel and all that. So it was just really cool. And then we go to the championship game and it's a really good game. And Duke wins. I, I still recall a uh, guy hits a shot to win it. And, you know, the place goes crazy. And I've got some footage of that that I won't bore you with because you've seen it all. But, um, you know, it was really cool. And so we're, we're, we leave, we're walking back to our hotel. And, you know, I think we're all thinking the same thing, which is, wow, it's over. And what an amazing experience it was. And we're just, I know I was feeling really thankful and blessed and fortunate, and I know you were too. And then oh, yeah. uh, we get we get back to the hotel, and uh, Brian uh, Brian Nelson, who again was one of our two primary handlers, was sort of with us walking. And I 
I don't recall exactly what I said, but uh, it was something like, you know, hey, you know, could we could we maybe get together for one last drink since we may never see each other again? And I just want to, you know, enjoy a little more time with with you and everybody else who who may want to join us. And in typical fashion, he's like, of course, Uh, you know, hell yeah. So we go into the hotel bar and to make a long story short, because we could tell we could tell a, a legitimate story just about this one thing because there were so oh, many yeah. things that happened. Um, uh, but so we end up there and it, it just somehow it grew from, you know, the small group of however many people were there at the start, you know, like maybe six or eight or 10 people. It grew into a, a thing. I mean, it was large and we ended up staying there until I think we probably got there at, I don't know, 11 or something. I think we left yeah. at, two or two thirty or three and i mean a, a, an outrageous amount of alcohol and food uh, were consumed <laughs> oh yeah and 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 people got drawn into it who weren't even involved i recall the people who but yeah they weren't uh, even i think at one yeah at one point a waitress who worked oh that was rachel Aikman. place who i ended up who? dating by the way <laughs> what was her name rachel what was her Aikman, name yeah and I recall her walking up and seeing the look on her face. She, she looked sort of intimidated. Like she wasn't used to this level of, you know, of, uh, of, of buzz or of activity. <laughs> and yeah. I, I recall, yeah, she, you and she struck up a conversation very quickly, but I think she ended up like getting off work and joining us and other people, you know, just random people somehow got drawn into it. And it just seemed so fitting. It was the perfect ending to, a perfect experience. And, you know, they picked up the tab for all of that as well. That had to be, you know, I tried to figure it out. I mean, there was probably $2,000 spent just on that, you know, just on oh, the man, drinks easily. and hors d'oeuvres for that many people. And, you know, through it all, uh, you know, Brian, who I'm sure he probably had plans of his own for that evening, but he ended up staying with us. And, and he, in fact, his brother joined us, I believe maybe a minor league baseball player or something. And, and their friends and all these people ended up, you know, met all these people that were really cool and, uh, you know, went back to the room at some ungodly late hour and, um, and that was it. Got up the next morning and drove home. But it was, you know, when I look back on it, you said, you said about, you know, stepping through to Narnia. That's kind of what it was in terms of, you know, here I sat on a Wednesday at my health club, just another, you know, day in my life, nothing extraordinary really happening. I'm just doing what I do. And this text message comes in from nowhere. And less than 48 hours later, we're at this world-class event being treated like kings from start to finish. And all the things that we just mentioned that happened, and I'm sure we've probably forgotten a few things that happened, but it was just really, truly extraordinary. And, you know, to this moment, I get... I get choked up thinking about it because I feel just so incredibly fortunate to have just done it, you know, just to have been. Yeah, just somehow I feel the same way. Just so much gratitude that like wells up when I think yep. about how awesome and it was. And I actually d- did get choked up uh, when it was over. And, you know, I ended up driving home because I just was so uh, I, I just was so like I, I wanted to mention this because it was such a blessing that it happened because. This was my, this, that winter I had 
and I, I won't, this is another, this is a story for another time on another episode. Uh, but just suffice to say, I was basically unemployed. Uh, the company I'd been working for the previous fall, uh, sort of went under and I was scraping together independent work, which if anybody's done that before online is, can be a real challenge because you're, it's like the wild west. You don't know how it's going to go. And I was barely affording my life. And really I was sort of slowly drowning and I was in a, I was in a lot of debt, not a ton, but I was in a bunch. Couldn't really pay my bills. It was a terrible winter. I was alone in a house for six months with a a dog and two cats during a cold winter in West Michigan that in in a 120 year old house that could never get above 55 degrees. Um, and it was, I mean, it was rough. It was just, I was a real low point. And then this ended up coming around and was such a, it was like, almost like it reminded me that I was like, Hey, you know what? Things can be good again. Like that can happen. That can really actually happen in your life. And I think it was the impetus that I kind of needed because after that is when I started going in, putting myself into applying for jobs and pursuing moving out to Chicago to do comedy. And on like, and I mentioned, uh, Rachel and I, the waitress that we had uh, served us that night ended up, her and I dated for six months after that. Like she drove up to Manistee and was, I mean, it's just the sweetest girl and very supportive and, you know, just was really, and, and just gorgeous. I mean, she was, she's totally beautiful. And I super needed all of that at that time. And I think like, I wonder what would have happened in my life if, if, if you hadn't have gotten this and then hadn't have invited me. And I don't know. And that's why I was so beaming in all those photos all the time. And I'm sure you'll post some of them. So the audience, if they haven't tuned out by this point, <laughs> they get the, they get the, they get the money shot with the shack story. And then they're like, yeah, hey, forget it. I don't want to hear about Speedway or Brendan's stupid winter, but right. It, you know, they can go look. And that's why I'm just so beaming in all those photos is it was just like, oh man, everybody we met was amazing. Everything that happened was amazing. Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I used that Amazon, you know, or that, uh, visa money card that they ended up giving us on things like groceries and gas, you know? I mean, honestly, that's the kind of place that I was in. And if that, all that stuff hadn't come along, I really don't know what, you know, where I would have been that following summer. Cause I got the job in Chicago riding that energy wave and being like, no, I can make things can be good. I can make things happen. And sometimes the universe ends up, you know, blessing you and and miracles sort of come your way. And that was essentially kind of how it felt, man. And honestly, I I know I've thanked you for it before, but I want to thank you publicly on the podcast again for thinking of me when that came along, because, you know, I wasn't the biggest basketball fan or really Michigan State fan. I mean, I, I, I wasn't the biggest sports fan at all, but I, I so got a love for the team, of course, through the, through that and through that experience that I just, I mean, I've switched, you know, I, I, I really, I love it. And I, I really thank you for thinking of me and including me on it. Well, you know, it's, you're, you're very welcome. And it's interesting because I skipped part of the story earlier that I'll tell now that you said that. The actual sequence of events regarding me asking you to go on this, because the actual sequence was, I called you to discuss the legitimacy of the text message that I had received, because I was just looking for someone's opinion on that. And I thought of you first. And oh, yeah. I, did not in, I did not invite you in that conversation. And no. I really, I really sincerely wanted to see how you'd react to the conversation 
And what I had sort of unofficially said to myself was, if I call him up and we have this conversation and he plays it straight, he just answers, you know, he just deals with it like anyone should in terms of answering the question, trying to be helpful, you know, just just being a, a supportive family member slash friend, then I may invite him. If he, if he tries to parlay this knowledge into a, please invite me, then I probably won't invite him. And it's weird because I say that now in retrospect that I think that is what I was thinking. I don't know if I thought of that through that clearly in the moment, but I do recall yeah. hanging up with you and thinking, okay, I'm going to invite him because he was just so cool about, you know, cool in a good way, cool about how he responded to that. He didn't, you know, he didn't try to like weasel his way into it or anything. So that when I invited you, it, it felt even better to me to invite you. And, you know, yeah. to your point about a timing of how things happen, I mean, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. You use the term universe. I use the term God, because for me, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And just like, in, just like in your case, where the timing was pretty extraordinary that you needed something to sort of pull you out of that space you were in at the time, which I, because I recall talking to you during that time and I knew what you were going through. And I thought, man, that does sound rough because that part, Brennan called it Western Michigan. I think of it more of Northern Michigan because it's far enough North that winters up there are brutal. And again, to be in this old house that wasn't well heated and the town that Manistee is a great town, but like many towns in that part of Michigan, it's a summer town, you know, in the summer, it's amazing. I mean, it's like, there are a few places you could go where you'd have more fun and rather be than there. In the winter, it's just yeah. the opposite. So, yeah, but in winter so time, that time yeah, it's like it's like Western Michigan, Manistee, Michigan, and Siberia are like the yeah on the same right. level. Exactly. So, uh, so that that was your your situation, and I think it did help you, and I think it did kind of co- sort of give your your perspective and your attitude and adjustment a very positive adjustment. And it was interesting because I had sort of the exact same kind of thing happen as well, but in a whole different way, which is the conclusion of this story is... Oh man, so, this is true. I totally forgot about this. I know where you're going. Yeah, I'm driving. I'm driving. Uh, literally, we're, you know, uh, I don't know how far back toward, uh, toward home from Indianapolis. Literally, this happened on the drive home from the Final Four. So I get a, I think it was a text message from uh, somebody that works for me. And they said, I trust you heard about the flood, question mark. And I had no idea what they were talking about. And I'm incredibly hungover because, like I said, we were up all night. And the drive home, it was a dreary day. It was the come down from the whole experience. It was, I mean, we were still feeling good. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's like the morning after. And I immediately oh, yeah. went into a panic. I messaged them back. I recall pulling off. I pulled off the highway to try to deal with whatever that was. And I texted the guy back and he's like, oh yeah, there was a flood at the office and they were, the police cars and fire trucks were there. And they were another guy that works for me, saw people carrying stuff out and throwing it into the dumpster. So I, uh, another long story short is what happened was in the, in the office where my, I, I own a real estate company and we're in the office where my office was located, there's a very sophisticated fire prevention system and it, it malfunctioned and it, uh, what ended up happening was this system was, uh, was projecting 500 
gallons of water per minute into my office for Over an hour everything. and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So basically it ended up destroying about all that you can destroy. Although miraculously, the things that were most valuable somehow didn't get damaged, which is incredible. So in my case, what it was, it was like, I think God said, you're about to go through something that's going to be one of the more difficult things you've ever gone through. And I'm going to pump you up so high right before it happens that when it happens, you're going to be, you're going to still be in that space and you won't feel the full effect of the negativity. And that's exactly what happens. Like I went from the final four to the next day walking into my office where there was literally about 18 inches of disintegrated ceiling tile on the floor of the entirety of my office. So you're basically like walking through a a pile of snow, but it's not snow. It's waterlogged, broken apart ceiling tile material. Oh man! And so yeah, and I, I, that I, was, I remember you. I remember that photo, and that it's it was just so weird because the timing of it. I mean, again, like so. I said the universe. I I would agree. I, I it's I think I think it, it was spiritual. Our recording is about to stop, so I just want to say that was our experience. Uh, hanging with Shaq and going to the Final Four and getting this incredible gift from AT and T. And I just want to thank, again, AT&T. I want to thank Jay Couch and Hannah Myers and Brian Nelson and Shaquille O'Neal and everybody else that had any hand in allowing us to have that yeah. extraordinary experience uh, because I, I think it's been clear from this entire conversation, we feel very, very fortunate and blessed. And uh, so that's our story. And uh, yeah. we're, we're glad, we appreciate the fact, if you're still listening, that you listen to the entirety of this. We know it was a long story. But, um, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the, uh, the highlights of, you know, my life to date and probably for yours as well. So oh, thanks, man, everybody. We'll see you on the next Take episode care. of Unkview. Bye. See you then.